0: Welcome in, brand new Tuesday Scramble, May 10th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, we're at it again with another Tuesday Scramble. We've got a lot to get to, my friend.
1: Yeah, man, time flies. I cannot believe we're already
0: at the second major, basically, of the year. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have, I'm, I might sneeze here. Uh, we are going to have uh, a little bit of an overlap. Because obviously at some point this week, salaries are gonna come out. I know research has already begun. I've been texting people that I know have been playing Southern Hills over the past couple of of weeks. Like it, it's this morphs into like one and a half tournaments this week.
1: Yes, I would agree. Do you think people are more interested this week in early PGA content than Byron Nelson content?
0: Are they? Probably. Should they be probably not like nothing's Mm. real, like the information that we will eventually provide on Saturday of this week for the PGA championship would be consumed the same way and of the same value on Monday. So there, there shouldn't be a rush to get to the PGA championship, but I understand that there will be.
1: Okay. Let me ask you another question. How much do you think there is to learn from this week? Like, if there are a lot of good players in the field, um, Mm -hmm. I think we have seven of the top 15, a lot of guys that are going to be pretty high up on the uh, -hmm. on the odds board come PGA week. How, like, how much does a really good performance or a really bad performance this week affect how you feel about them heading into next week?
0: I would say this week affects next week more than most weeks prior to a major championship, just because what you said, seven of the top 15 players in the world, uh, if one of them, if one of these guys goes out and wins it, like it's going to impact their betting number, which is going to Mm -hmm. impact their fantasy salary. So I, I do believe that this is fairly influential most weeks before a major. It's just like, well, as long as the favorite doesn't win this week, we're not going to have to worry about his odds changing next week.
1: Right. Right. I think, um, I would agree with that. I think this course is nothing like Southern Hills. So I don't want to get too carried away with what I see players do this week, because I think they're going to be tasked with a completely, completely different obstacle, but you're right. I'm fascinated to see how this, I'm going to be, what, put it this way, I'm there's a couple players that I'm going to be watching extremely closely to see if I can pick up where their game is actually at heading into next week. And that, the score might not necessarily reflect that, but I think it's going to be like a big eye test week for me, if that makes sense, Rick.
0: Are, are you more surprised with <clears throat> the field that we've gotten this week or the guys that are going to go into the PGA Championship not playing since the Zurich or in some cases, maybe even the RBC heritage. Like there are guys like Colin and Victor are coming in from Zurich. Like there are guys that we have not seen play in three weeks when we get to, when we get to Southern Hills.
1: Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Like um, a guy like Victor or I guess Morikawa played the heritage, but a guy like Victor's last stroke play start was the masters. Is that not to turn it back on you again? I have,
0: I have my thoughts too, but does that worry you at all? Generally not. Um, I think for most guys, it's not like these guys have been sitting around doing nothing. Right. Yeah, I I mean, they're, they're, they're getting their work in. Victor's been at Southern Hills. So like we know he's, we know he's doing his early reconnaissance, uh, just, just the step that he hasn't taken is playing competitively. So I guess then the the question becomes, how important is playing competitive golf within the last couple of weeks before a major championship? Right.
1: I think it's case by case. I think a lot of these guys, first of all, it's a very convenient tournament to have before Southern Hills, not in terms of, the course fit and how it's going to prepare you for Southern Hills. But just in terms of pure geography, it's especially with these guys that are flying privately, I think you could probably get from Dallas to Tulsa via private plane in like 45 minutes. Um, So it's okay. very, it's, it's very, very convenient from a geographical sense. I think it's preference rec, right? Like I think it's kind of case by case. And I think a lot of these players are trying something different. I remember you know, even just two or three years ago, it felt like most guys, most of the best players wouldn't play the week before the majors. And now it feels like that's shifted a little bit. Um, you even have a guy like Rory, who's not playing this week, but Rory played the week before the masters for the first time in what, like seven, eight years. Right. So I think a lot of these guys are trying out new and de- Tiger never
0: played the week before majors. Right. Ever. No, and that's what I think. I, I believe that the older guard, uh, for a long time, has kind of been telling these guys, you've got to be well rested going into a major championship. You've got to, you know, work on your game. And then I think we're just finding a younger touring pro who is more willing to try different things. Some guys, yeah, they want to break a sweat, right? They want to they want to get into competition uh, just a couple of days out. They want to start that routine. Uh, a little bit earlier, you know that tournament week routine. They want to start it a little bit earlier. I, I just think the the younger class, the newer guys, are generally more likely to try something new. Right, and I think this week
1: is just it's so convenient. Like I remember last year they had the Palmetto, which was a really fun course that I hope they return to at some point in South Carolina mm-hmm. the week before a U.S. Open in San Diego. It's like, what do you expect these guys to do? Like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are probably playing Southern Hills today. And they can get back and be fine for, they could probably play Southern Hills this morning and TPC Craig Ranch this afternoon if they wanted to. I know they played Southern Hills yesterday too. So I think this week is just the perfect um,
0: conversion of convenience,
1: uh, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, it does. We have not touched on Max Homa. Uh, we can do this uh, rather quickly here, Andy, but Homa's now got four victories. He was stout in the face of adversity, if that's what you want to call it, all week with kind of the conditions and the rain. And he had a situation where he was three behind Jason Day and then he was two behind Keegan Bradley. And he's watching this leaderboard shift all around him and he's just steady Eddie all the way to the finish line. And now. Max Homa, I mean, once you get to once you get to two PGA tour wins, you're kind of in a different class than a lot of guys. Once you get to three, lot shorter list. Homa now at four, um, really starting to separate himself from some of just like the random winners that we get on tour.
1: I was thinking a lot about this, Rick. I think Homa's very difficult to evaluate. First of all, just speaking to his win. I thought it was an incredible performance in the sense that I don't even really think that he had it on Sunday from a ball striking perspective, but it just shows how important like getting up and down and making the putts are on Sunday in terms of winning a golf tournament. And it always just felt to me like Homa was in control, which is a weird thing to say when he hit a couple like shaky iron shots on Sunday, even a couple shaky drives, he was missing Right on a couple holes on the back nine there, but it, it always felt like he was kind of in charge of the ship. And if he needed to make an eight footer for par, he was going to make an eight footer for par. Whereas Keegan was actually hitting the ball better than max, but I didn't have the same level of confidence in him. And like we talk, how many times do we talk about that? Winning is a skill, right? And yeah. I think Homa is just a guy who has
0: it, right? Yeah. And the, I I was on the first cut and we were doing like the Sunday night recap and I was just like, what was, what was Max Homa's highlight? Like every week on Sunday, the PGA Tour winners got a moment where he stuffs one close or he goes on a run. And I didn't think Homa had it, had a highlight, but he just made a bunch of pars, did what he had to do, hit the center of the green early and often. And that is all it took to win. And that's that too is impressive to, to not be forced to pull off something crazy or go on a, a ridiculous run. Just be there, just be in the mix.
1: The drive on 18 was pretty gangster. That was like the biggest drive, the longest drive of the day, to, to step up there and smoke one like that. Yeah, there was one par putt that he made. I can't remember which hole it was on the back nine, but it had the potential to be a two-shot swing because Keegan hit it close for birdie, and Homa had to get up and down for par, and Keegan missed the birdie putt, and Homa made the longer par putt, and that was when the tournament really shifted. I can't remember what Holt was, but yeah, you're right. He kind of just, you know, Homer's is, home is a tricky case, Rick, because you look at, I was already starting to do some Southern Hill stuff. He's been objectively like horrendous in majors and he, it yeah. is a decent enough sample size where he's played in like 12 of them. And I think his best finish ever is like a 40th. So
0: open championship, I think.
1: Exactly. Right. So, What's interesting to me is you look at a guy like Homa, he's got as many wins as like Xander now, right? He's almost got as many wins as Fowler, um, right? So <laughs> yeah, that's kind of wild. <laughs> what, what's more? And they're not bad wins either. They're, they're not great bad wins. wins. Yeah. you been win at Riviera. You, I know this field wasn't great, but I thought that this was still an impressive win. So it's like, what's more impressive to you? A guy that maybe has had, like Tony Finau is a good example. Who's had a better career? Tony Finau's has like eight major top 10s and a Puerto Rico Open and FedEx Cup playoff event. Homa's got four good wins, but zero major top 25s.
0: They're the the same age. It's a good comp. The answer should be Tony Finau because I think we overemphasize wins uh, generally. Mm -hmm. But because we overemphasize wins, it's like it's Homa. But it shouldn't be. It should be Finau.
1: I think Finau's had a little bit of a better career too but i always overrate majors if i just we think did, at the end of the day major perform. i just think that that's how they measure each other if that makes sense so that's how we should measure them
0: yeah all right fair enough how do we measure cam young uh i measure him as the rookie of the year uh because that is i believe his fourth runner-up finish i actually caught some heat last week being like oh cam young he can he can translate to any golf course. I'm super excited about this kid. And there were comments like, I don't see it. I don't, I don't get what everybody loves about this guy. Uh, do you see it yet? Like, I don't know what <laughs> else, like obviously he doesn't have a victory, but this is, I think he's pretty special.
1: Well, yeah, that's kind of silly to me. Cause he just finished uh runner up at like the most short positional lesson driver course, uh, on the schedule at the heritage a couple of weeks before. Super impressive, Rick. Um, As somebody who bet him outright, it was very, very, very frustrating to watch him putt on Thursday and Friday. I think he led the – it was a very Tony Finau-esque performance. Um, Two weeks in a row, we see this guy hit the ball incredibly and not be able to make any putts. And then kind of over the weekend, the ball striking keeps up, and finally they start making putts. But it's just not – it's just not enough, you know, if – Cam Young is a field average putter this week, or like gains plus one putting. He wins the tournament. So I'm with you. I know Ramey's got the win in the alternate field event, but when you finish runner up here, runner up at Riviera, and I think was he second or third at Heritage? Like he's the leader in the clubhouse
0: for me, too. And he finished runner up at Sanderson Farms, which is probably a better field than Ramey won at in Puerto Rico, or where, I don't even know, uh, Bermuda. Where do you, I don't even know where he won at. I think it was Corrales Boots. Oh, that's exactly what it was. It was Corrales yeah. Uh Matt Fitzpatrick was my one and done. Russell Henley was yours. So I snapped up $650,000 on you, Andy. I'm still 1.4 million behind, but I've been trying to slice the data to make myself feel good. Okay. Yeah. So here's, yeah. Here's, here's what I came up with. Uh, since remember that seven week stretch where I got exactly $0. Mm-hmm. Since then, I forget since then. Yeah. How could you forget since then I've made 2.6 million. You've made 2.3. So Mm -hmm. I have at least chipped into it. I I need more though.
1: Yeah. You're like annoyingly hanging around. Like what's (laughs) that line? What's that line? Like the most dangerous lead in baseball is three. Yeah. Or something like that. Like that's what it feels. Or the most dangerous lead in football is like, 10. It's something like that, but that's what it feels like. Where you're like it's a healthy lead, but it's like not you're just in reach. Like you're just you're right there, but still I have a healthy lead. Yeah, you're right there, man. It's a long season. We got three majors coming up. Impressive performance by Fitzpatrick. Another guy who uh who I think we both had outright that yeah. just couldn't get it done. But I'm- you know the joke is with fitzpatrick and i said this i think at like bay hill too it always feels like if there are eight more holes in the golf tournament fitzpatrick wins cuz he's just yeah. going to make eight more
0: pars yeah for sure the um i'm one hanging curve and a grand slam away from like being right back in this thing that's like the dangerous three run three run lead i'm one win away from being from being in the lead here uh i think the most impressive thing so we have made let me let me make sure I have this right. We've made 19 selections this year. Mm-hmm. You have never taken a zero.
1: Yeah, are I've never a, missed a are cut. Are you
0: aware of that? You've never mm-hmm. taken a zero.
1: Yeah, I've never missed a cut. I'm aware of that, but I don't think I have a
0: win, right? <laughs> uh it doesn't Do No, you the most you've made in a single week is f- uh four hundred and eighty nine thousand. You got that from Burns and Horschel at the Zurich Classic. <laughs>
1: I've got a ton of top 10s and a ton of top 25s. Yeah, but no, it's been ball control. It's been a ball control year for me. Um, But yeah, man, a win from either of us breaks this thing open. Completely breaks this thing open.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, we've got to do one and done for this week. We've got to do props. We've got to do head-to-head matchups. I want to talk about the golf course. Uh, Reed Johnson has already listened uh, to your podcast, Andy, on, on Spotify. He says he, quote, loved it so ringing endorsement from reed uh we will get to craig ranch after this ad for andy's podcast andy lack is not only the co-host of the scramble but also produces his own show the inside golf podcast it's available twice a week focusing on course breakdowns dfs and betting strategies for every pga tour event Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside InsideGolfPod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. All right, Mr. Andy. We've actually covered a couple of the uh storylines for this week. We talked about the field already. So let's just talk about the golf course, TPC Craig Ranch. I'll say the same thing I said last week. Just enough data to be dangerous. Right? TPC Potomac, we had 2 years worth of data. This time around, we've got one solitary soggy week's worth of data. How much emphasis would you like to put on what we saw in a 25 under birdie fest last year
1: probably less than most people this week because i just think that the conditions last year were it was such an anomalous weather week um i mean if you remember we had guys like squeegeeing the course during the final round and it got there was a torrential downpour on monday or tuesday now with that being said this is a very like vanilla and bland course architecturally like even in firm and fast conditions we're not we're not going to see a u.s open right like these guys are still even if the course plays a lot drier um, than it did last year which it is going to by the way um, i still think that we probably are you're probably going to need to get to 18 to 20 under par but my guess is that this is more like a mexico open than a 25 under five under park cut. I just think with a little bit firmer and faster conditions, and there's going to be some wind, I think we're probably in the 20 under ballpark as opposed to the 25 under, if that makes
0: yeah, sense. Yeah, and I and I think that's fair. It was super wet last year, uh, which is obviously a huge thing. I just am looking through the schedule, and at least in terms of off the tee. So we've been zigging and zagging, right? You mm-hmm. know, the masters. Augusta National you can kind of hit it a little bit way. We're just not too too way. Where then you go to Harbor Town where you've got to be precise. Then you go to Mexico wherever you want to hit it. Then you go to P- TPC Potomac where you've got to be more precise. Now you go back to TPC Craig Ranch. So I'm I've been just kind of bobbing and weaving to some level of success over the course of the past couple of weeks cuz I think we as humans kind of get and I saw this a lot last week. It's like people were like I love Tony Finau at um at TPC Potomac because of what he did in Mexico. And I'm like, well, those couldn't be two further golf courses from one another. There's a lot of like recency stuff just based on finishing position, but we're going through some extreme changes, aren't we?
1: Yes, I would say that last week was uh one of the courses on the PGA Tour schedule that places the greatest emphasis on the first shot. And this is probably one of the courses that places the least emphasis on the first shot. I mean, you can, I went through hole by hole. Like you can pretty much get away with murder off the tee here. Like there are a few, um, there are a few numbers that I I talked about in terms of the average difference of score versus from when you hit the fairway versus when you miss the fairway, all all, a bunch of stuff like that. But yeah, I'm with you, Rick. It's a completely different test. And I think the one thing that I wanted to harp on this week is, you know, there are certain players, and they'll be the first to tell you this. I I kind of you can kind of pick some of this stuff up in the quotes, but there are certain players that when they get to an easier course, like they're just more comfortable, whether they grew up in easier scoring. Like some guys are just comfortable going low, and some guys are just way more comfortable in courses where par's a really good score. Fitzpatrick's a great example of that. So this is a week where I really wanted to try and identify those players that we're more comfortable in kind of these easier scoring conditions.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I I uh, It's a TPC. I think they're going to score well, but I don't think they're going to score as well as we saw last year. Um, I want to start getting into some of these picks here because we're going to do props. We got to do head-to-head matchups, which we had. An interesting situation last week. And then, of course, I want to get to our one and done stuff, but we'll jump into the props next. Uh, the code you're looking for there is Rick for prize picks. There's a link in the description. Go and make sure you got this fired up and ready to go because we've got four props for you coming, and they're coming on the other side. I've recently started using Juice Reel as a way to track all my bets in real time. Since I can sync the app to all my sports books, I don't miss any wager and I've learned a ton more about my betting habits. There are built-in line shopping features, so I know that I'm always getting the best lines available, and once the game starts, I can see the value of my bets fluctuate in real time with the scoring so that I always have an understanding of my expected value. The performance analytics have made me much more knowledgeable about the bets that I have the most success at, hint, top tens, and there's no going back for me. Download the Juice Reel app with the link in the description. Okay, Andy, um... It's funny. I actually, so I started using juice reel to track, track my stuff. So what I was actually doing is I was going through my spreadsheet that I, that mm. I used to, to track before. And let me tell you, betting outrights is really, really hard. <laughs> it's, I was just talking about
1: this in one of my group chats. It's like, if you're doing If you're betting outrights correctly, and I think a lot of people don't manage their exposure correctly, like you should be profitable doing it if you're hitting like four or five a year. Right. I think the problem is we all get super, super carried away and you end up betting, you know, five guys under 30 to one every single week. Like you're
0: just you're you're lighting money on fire. I am guilty of making my, like, four or five wagers and then adding, you know, the family and friends, right, which is, like, the uh, Paul Barjan or, like, Bo Hosler's been on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) or, like, you know, like, the family and friends. I'm guilt, like, I'm, like, all right, here's my core. I love this. And then I'm scrolling through and I'm, like, well. I've got to add Patrick Flavin at 800 to one. I've got to add Oscar at 350. I've got to, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm most guilty of. But again, I'm not, but I'm also not a professional. So like, I feel like I can get away from it or like I can get away with it, but I know that I shouldn't be.
1: I didn't, I didn't expect us to get to Paul Barjan this early in the podcast. I've got some Barjan stuff uh, at any point, if you want to break it out. But yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I, I, you know, I think it is. What's funny to me about golf is, um, you know, none of these bets under 20 to one are supposed to hit, right? Like if you hit a 20 to one parlay in an, in an NFL slate, that is like a insane hit. It is yes. a crazy hit that should happen maybe once a year, maybe once every other year. Right. But we get our perception gets so warped in golf. And this is why I think maybe you could you could make the argument that golf is like the best, most fun sport to bet on because it really does feel like every single week where there are guys above 100 to 1, there are guys above 200 to 1 that, that can win. J.J. Spawn just did it at Valero. So I was thinking about it with the Kentucky Derby, actually. It's yeah. like the guy who one at 80 to one horse people. I'm not a big horse guy, so I don't know, but they were saying this is like the greatest upset in a decade. Right. And it's like, if a golfer who's 80 to one this week, if the guy, if a guy who's 80 to one this week wins, like, are we really that shocked at all?
0: Yeah. It happens like four times a year in golf. Uh, this is like their biggest upset ever. It it is funny because it, it also comes up when guys are like seven to one. And you're like, well, you can't bet that. Like, that's way too short. When a seven to one first touchdown bet, or yeah, a parlay in another sport that pays seven to one would be like a massive hit, and we laugh at you if you bet at somebody at seven to one that wins. We're like, that doesn't even count. That doesn't even count. It's so short.
1: We completely stick our nose about it, and it's. I think it's like our bubble. I think it's like the the golf Twitter fantasy golf and betting Twitter community and bubble because you know you look at a uh, DraftKings sports books in, t- in terms of like its handle and stuff like that. And at Mexico, a couple of weeks ago, the most bet on guy by far was John Rahm at three to one. Right. And all of us said we would never bet John Rahm at three to one, regardless of the outcome. We would never bet John Rahm at three to one. But
0: I think a lot of people don't look at it that way,
1: if that makes sense.
0: 80 to one this week, Brian Harmon, Ryan Palmer, Sepp Straka, Mackenzie Hughes, Lonto Griffin. I would be 0% surprised if any of them won this golf tournament. Zero. I like all
1: those guys. I think those are all, I think those are all pretty good. bats, right.
0: Um, let's prop it. Like it's hot. Let's do, let's do the props. here, presented by our friends over at prize picks. I use the term friends lightly because we are trying to take as much money from them as possible, but they're good guys. They are actual friends, but listen, we got to open up. We got to open up the bank account a little bit. We got to add some more money to our wallets. We've got four selections here, four props, Andy. Uh, we will go through them, and Armina is going to release the board right now. Do it, Armina. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so there are the props, Andy. Uh, your first one involves a Texas kid, Will Zalatoris. What is it? Yeah.
1: So um, I was looking at last year, and again, I don't think we could put too much, too much, too much stock into last year's stats. Um, but I don't think there'll be like crazy, crazy differences this year. So last year players hit 66.7% of their fairways last year, which even in a little bit firmer conditions, it's still zoysia grass, which is pretty sticky. So I don't think you're going to get too much running out balls into the rough. So that is implying that an average player hits like 9.4 mm-hmm. fairways per round. Right. And they're telling me, they're giving me wills Zalatoris who's one of the best drivers of the ball in the field. He's very accurate for how long he is as well. And they're asking me if I could just need to go over eight. Um, So that is just a pure number play for me. I think
0: that number is way too low. Uh, I have a pure number play as well. Tadeki Matsuyama over 13 greens in regulation. So to put this into perspective, TPC Craig ranch, these greens are large 6,700 square feet on average. There's only 10 courses on the PGA tour schedule this year that have larger greens. Anytime you get over 6,000 square feet, you are uh, larger than average. Now, Hideki played here last year, finished 39th. So I'd argue didn't, didn't play particularly well. He's playing much better this time around. Well, he averaged 13.25 greens in regulation last year in a week that I didn't think he had his good stuff. He's been, when healthy, Andy, one of the best players on tour for the last six months. It's just a matter of him. We remember the WDs more than we remember like the Sony Open and the Zozo Championship victory.
1: Yeah, Hideki is the guy that, um, you know, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Like there's going to be players that I'm going to be trying to watch very closely, just eye test wise, ahead of Southern Hills. Hideki's one of those guys because I really, I really like the course fit for him uh, next week at at the PGA, and you know he was sneaky really good at the Masters. Like I think it's really, really hard. Um, you look at how defending champions fare at the Masters. And it's usually terrible. And Hideki finished like 14th and hit the ball really, really well. Yeah. So I believe he's healthy. He's he's a guy that I'm I'm eyeing pretty closely this week in uh, in DraftKings as well.
0: Uh, Seamus Power for you for your second uh, wager here. Seamus Power unfortunately missed the cut last week. That was uh, a little bit sad. But you are looking for a bounce back week from Seamus. I am. So again. The number here is key. Like
1: six holes on this course had over a 40% birdie rate or higher. Even if you, even if you say that goes down a little bit this year, like you could make the case that there's like 12 really gettable holes on this golf course, maybe even more, right? Like you can almost birdie every single hole on this golf course. If you wanted to, I think there's two really long par fours and maybe one or two really tough par threes as well. But there's so many birdie opportunities on this golf course. Seamus power is one of like the most prolific birdie makers in terms of his birdie rate. He's just a guy that makes a lot of birdies. He's seventh in birdies or better game this season. Um, So I think it's a pretty good buy low opportunity for power. Most of these guys are at like 5.5 birdies, five birdies, and I'm getting one of the lowest over unders on one of the best birdie makers in the field.
0: Yeah, I've got a buy low opportunity as well. Mine's Mark Leishman under 69 and a half strokes. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm zigging and zagging here. Leishman missed the cut last week and I was not excited about Mark Leishman on a course that asks you to be accurate off the tee. Now we kind of remove that, that aspect for this week and even he missed the cut, Andy. He made a triple on, I don't know what hole it was, but he was in that back bunker and he shanked it into the water, which is amazing. Yes. He was piling up birdie. So I actually don't even mind the birdie prop either on Mark Leishman, but I settled on 69 and a half taking the under, which is uh three under around this place that you just described as you might be able to birdie every single hole.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm with you. I bet Mark Leishman this week. I think it's a great bounce back spot for him. And, and like I said, you can get away with a lot here off the tee. What's Leishman's biggest struggle is he sometimes struggles with accuracy off the tee. So now you put him on a bigger ballpark where he's got to hit a bunch of long irons. I think this is a really, really good fit for him. I think he is a very sound play, and I hope you're right. I hope he gets off to a hot start here.
0: Leishman under 69 and a half. Hideki over 13 greens. Seamus power over four and a half birdies. Will's Zalatoris over eight fairways. Those are the round one props for prize picks in which you can use the code Rick. You can use the link in the description. You can get your deposit bonus and you can join us in our quest of taking money from our friends over at prize picks. Andy, we've got matchups. We've got one and done. We've got to keep talking golf here and we are going to do it on the other side. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rom. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Matchups, Andy. Matchups. You and I were both two and three last week. You are 41, 23, and four. I am 30, 34, and four. We had the dubious distinction of uh, picking the guy who finished second, Cam Young, in a matchup against the guy who won the golf tournament, Max Homo, which stings. Brutal.
1: I don't know if that's ever happened. I can't think of a time where that's ever happened to me before. Can
0: you? Not off the top of my head. I I feel like it probably has, but that is the, like, when you finally get a guy who beats, what, 142 other golfers. Uh, And if you would have told me Cam Young beats 142 other golfers before the week started, how much would you like to wager on this Max Homa bet, on this Max Homa matchup? I would have emptied the bank account just because it's unlikely that we found the one guy that beats him.
1: Yeah, I would have probably emptied it if you told me he beat, like, 90 golfers, right? Like, you just play the odds there. And, um, you know, Cam Young, like I said, even more frustrating because, you know, he missed. I forgot. My friend Chris Powers of Golf Digest put out the stat, but there was, like, seven putts. Oh, yeah, he was brutal. Yeah, it was, like, seven or eight putts under 10 feet or something like that over the first two days. I think he was last. In putting over the first two
0: days, uh, it, it had to. I guess maybe it was round two. It was the worst putting performance of his career, which is a very short career. He doesn't have a lot of, of rounds, but he lost like five and a half strokes putting, and he missed six or seven putts within eight feet or something like that. Right. Brutal. Yeah. Frustrating. Well, mm. hopefully, we have some better luck this week. All right, Matt McNeely, Adam Hadwin. Uh, these are two of my guys, Andy. These are mm. these are two guys that I've been pretty pretty stoked about for the last couple of months. I could go either way with this. I, I settled on Hadwin because I thought he was a uh, a hair safer, but love both these guys.
1: Very fair. Hadwin probably is a hair safer. I went with McNeely. I bet McNeely to win. Um, I, I like the upside here. Uh, he was a guy that I think a lot of people, um, pencil in on like shorter positional golf courses like heritage and pebble beach. And to me, like I actually look at his skill set on paper and I actually think that over like his career, he's going to have a lot of success on longer golf courses where he gets to hit a bunch of drivers and long iron. So I'm kind of, you know, buying in something I'm seeing in the numbers with, with McNeely. And, um, I, I just kind of, I'm kind of seeing it this week with him. So, um, I like McNeely here, but Hadwin's been playing unbelievable. So I think you can make a good argument for both sides. Yeah, I love both
0: of these guys. This one's interesting. It's not often that you see Brooks Kepka, Brooks Kepka, that guy, in a matchup against Mark Leishman. And then you and I, Andy, both took the Leishman side of it. <laughs> Which
1: may not be smart because you look at, like, Brooks is like 9,200 in DraftKings and Leishman is like 76, which I think Leishman's way underpriced this week. But still, um, even the betting markets, Brooks is... I'm just like, can he just like show me something? You know what I mean? It's just like, we do this thing every week where it's like, we make the joke, like how many times are we going to hear about the 40-1 to win in Phoenix, right? Is it going to be 20-30 before we stop talking about it? It's like... I get it's Brooks. I understand that he is Brooks Kepka. That is his name. He's won four majors. But like, can we just can he just show me something? Just show me anything. A little bit, Rick. I think Leishman's a better play.
0: Yeah. And I hate to get into like Leishman cares more this week. I just think this is a better setup for kind of the Leishman style of golf. And there's a chance that Kepka kind of puts himself out of this thing. I, I just think the range of outcomes for Kepka is sizable. And um, I, I just, yeah, I like the leash. That is, it is true. It's like, Oh, the disrespect on Kepka's name, every single, Oh, the disrespect. It's like, well, maybe not. (laughs) What do you want to pry Like, what do you want to,
1: do you think anyone's going to look at his form and bet him at 20 to one this week? Right. That's the, the thing with Brooks too, is like, there's, there's two reasons why I struggle with Brooks at, at courses like this reason. Number one is that he said before um, he said this after the travelers that um, easier golf courses, like he struggles, they struggle to hold his attention Mm -hmm. because you don't have to think as much. Right. And I think he's going to like the most vanilla (laughs) bland golf course on the PGA tour schedule. So I don't know how that's going to be very stimulating for you this week, Brooks. Secondly, I have this weird like memory that I can't get out of my head last year. I know he's played well the week before the majors in his career, but I remember last year at the Palmetto, which was the week before the U.S. Open, because I played him, and it was another one of these weeks where it's like, oh, Brooks is getting disrespected. And I just remember watching him on the back nine brick putts when he was near the cut line and just being like, I am such – an do, idiot. Do he has remember? the plane to San Diego ready to go.
0: What am I thinking? I remember him on Friday around the eighth hole sitting on the T marker and just being like, it was the ultimate, like, I cannot wait to get out of here. Like I'm waiting for these dorks in front of me to finish this par three. I want nothing to do with it. It is hot and humid. I am sitting on this T marker. I'm playing 10 more holes. And I'm getting the hell out of town.
1: Yeah." Exactly. So I respect Brooks. He is on my radar for next week, regardless of form. I get the major thing. I've bet him plenty at majors. I get it,
0: but it's an easy pass for me this week. Uh, Johnny Vegas and Alex Noren are next again, two guys. I'm not as excited about as Hadwin and McNeely, but I, I I could see, uh, Vegas got like whatever procedure done on his arm and then came back two weeks later, which is, first of all, a, a marvel of modern medicine, and then had the best approach week of his entire career. Maybe they maybe they fixed something. I'm going with Johnny Vegas.
1: So weird. I don't know if I've ever seen this before. He was plus eight on approach and minus four off the tee. Have you ever seen a 12-stroke, discrepancy in ball striking
0: no and he's very good off the tee like his 100 round baseline he gains like a half a stroke per round which is a big number and yeah it was he was like ah, i'll just you know fire darts here with my new arm yeah he would
1: this is a tough one i think you can make a good case for either of them i went with noren to be honest with you you usually put your picks in first yeah and if it's a close call
0: i'm just gonna go with the other guy Smart. but i like both i like both of them a lot Uh, we have settled on the same golfer in the next matchup, which I thought I could be on the other side of um, because I put mine in first. And I said, well, I think I know what side Andy might take here. It's Xander Shoffley versus Sam Burns. I opted for Sam Burns. I just love the upside. I've talked countless times. I think he's kind of like the the modern winner on the PGA tour. It's really, really good stuff. I thought you might opt for the X-Man, but I could not sell that to you.
1: No, you know, I'm, I pride myself on my being unbiased. I'm not a homer here. I'm not just going to blindly bet Xander every single week. I have my concerns about Xander right now, um, especially heading into next week. You know, I think this is um, this is a good example of what I was talking about earlier in terms of different skill sets and who gets up for different types of courses. In my opinion, Sam Burns is a really good bet to finish his career with like over 15 wins and maybe one major or mm-hmm. zero majors. Interesting. I just like these setups for him. And, and I think he's just going to win a lot of these events. Like, I don't care if he's won the Valspar recently. I don't, I don't know if he's going to play like the Sanderson farms every year. I don't know if he's going to play this course every year, but I think every time he's in the field in one of these events, Burns is just going to pile up a lot of these results, not sold on him yet in majors, not sold on him yet in difficult scoring conditions. But I just think this is a really, really good spot for Burns. He was great here last year. Even, you know, he was coming off a win in his last start, and he almost went back to back here last year. Uh, Whereas with Xander, I know that Xander from people inside his camp, that he is of the mindset of, the Brookses and the Tigers of the JT, where it's like it's all about majors. And I just trust Burns to go out here and 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 fire at pens a little bit more than Sander this week.
0: Patrick Cantley currently on that uh career arc of 15 wins, like zero majors. He's got seven PGA tour victories and only the two top tens at majors. Cantley might be one of those guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I think don't you kind of think just in a vacuum, Cantlay's game should translate to majors really well? Yeah,
0: does everything right, can get hot with the putter, never gets flustered. Yeah. Yes, like I'm, I'm. It's just kind of weird that he hasn't played better. Play, played better. Yeah, uh, the big boys. We save the big boys for last. Scotty Scheffler versus Justin Thomas. Uh, you and I again both on the same side here, and it's not on the side of the number one player in the world, which means we're taking JT. Why are we doing it?
1: I bet this in real life this morning. Um, JT was plus odds. Um, I think he was like plus 110, plus 105. Um, I'm just really high on JT le- this week. Um, he me- he fits the perfect uh, intersection of quantifiable and unquantifiable, in my opinion, where statistically based, he, he looks great in all the m- metrics that I'm looking at. I actually... Loki like his game a little bit more for easier courses than I do for harder courses. He's won a ton on these wide open birdie fast. So a lot of them overseas, I like him where if you have a big right mess on a golf course, there's not a giant penalty. And that is the case here. Um, and I just think he's crawling out of his skin right now, Rick. I yeah, mean, I, I think agree. 14 months without a win for JT, like that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing.
0: There's, there's an argument to be made that, Of the guys at the top here, nobody, quote, needs a win more than Justin Thomas does. Couldn't you argue not even Xander anymore? I mean, I don't count. I mean, he just put on a championship belt three weeks ago. He's probably feeling good. He's got a little injection into the bank account. He's probably feeling good. He's definitely not feeling the way JT's feeling right now.
1: And if you listen to any interview that JT gives, he cares about all this stuff. He, he is so goal-oriented, and he writes everything down, and he's one of those guys that looks at his stats. Um, get
0: on the board, JT. Watch the ball go through the hoop. So I'm taking JT this week. Love it. Uh, one and done, Andy. As we talked about before, you are currently f- 1. $1.4, $1.35 million dollars ahead. I think we've got, well... Let me just confirm this I think we've got uh one point six at the top this week. That sound about right? yeah you're right there man. you're yeah. right there <laughs> wait till you hear who I'm going with uh I love your pick. I have actually uh bet on your pick to win so even if he does win so if you get a big number this week, I just want I, I would rather he just win than finish like solo second because solo second would get you a ton of. One and done money, and I'd have a losing ticket. So, who is that man that I got a 65? No, I got a yes, uh, no, 45 to one on. How did I get oh, 40? Is that right? 45 to one? Who is yeah? Uh, I'm going with Taylor Gooch here.
1: I'll be totally honest. I initially plugged in Sam Burns, and then I realized that I had used him in the team event. (sighs) Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, but I like gooch i feel great about gooch this week um i think that he is a really safe bet to finish highly this week too a win would be fantastic um but i think that he is a very very safe bet to finish highly i think you know he cares a lot about next week Mm -hmm. it's the pga championship he's an oklahoma guy he's an oklahoma state guy he's definitely got some experience Playing Southern Hills, he'll be one of those buzzy Oklahoma guys that we talk about a lot next week. But I also just think like I know he's very comfortable in like these types of conditions. He's had a ton of great success on bent He's had a ton of great success on birdie fest too, and he's had like a ton of great success in kind of like these swirling winds that they describe Oklahoma and Texas with that we're going to hear so much about starting next week. So I think Gooch is. A player I feel very, very comfortable burning right now. I don't know when I would use him at a better spot. Um, and uh we're gonna rock with uh with Taylor Gooch this week.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And Max Homa just won. Go go get one. Go get one for the uh for the buddies there, Taylor Gooch. That would be just fine. Well, I'm going to counter Taylor Gooch with the favorite the number one player in the world. I I am either going to look uh, awesome or horrible considering the fact that I might have missed out on four Scotty Scheffler wins and now I am going to play him here and try to get a fifth win, which would be just bonkers. But um listen, he's the favorite, the advanced metrics are great. Even if you wanted to step into narrative street and you heard that he took apart Southern Hills uh on Monday like the the game the game's in good shape. He's going to a spot that should be okay for him. I'll I'll just play Scotty.
1: Scheffler is such a funny. Uh, it's he's he's always he's so interesting to me right now in terms of the perception around Scheffler because I still feel like it's no one believes he can keep this up. Like if I don't know if John Rom won four of six and was this price in DraftKings, wouldn't he be like forty percent owned?
0: Yes, I don't yeah, think Sheffler's like- going
1: to. He'd be like yeah. plus 150. <laughs> right. I don't think Scheffler is going to be higher owned than Spieth or JT this week. It's just funny to me. I get it. I don't, it's a longer podcast to do sometimes. I don't know if it's I test with him or how quickly it happened and, but it's just people still discredit him and I'm guilty of it too. There's no way he could win right. Five and seven. He's been throwing out pitches at Texas Rangers games. Like there's dead, No way. Right.
0: All right, we'll see. Uh, I hope so. I hope he. I hope he does it. That'd be that'd be fun. Um. All right, Andy. Well, we are going to be back on Friday, same time, same place. That's noon Eastern on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. We'll do a live look into uh, this week's AT and T buyer Nelson. We'll look at the live odds. We'll give out some more props. All that fun stuff. The code to get involved at Prize Picks is Rick. There's also a link in the description. But uh, always a blast, Andy. That was fun.
1: That was fun, man. Real quick. Yeah. Andy looks like Scotty Scheffler just perusing through the chat right now. Do you see that? I've never gotten that one before. And I feel like that's a backhanded insult because isn't the joke with Scotty Scheffler that he looks like 45. I would say I'm (laughs) aging gracefully into my late twenties.
0: So I'm very bad at like, I don't recognize people's faces. I don't know if they've been in other television shows that I watch. I don't see stuff like that. Uh, so I, I'm probably disqualified from this conversation, but, uh, actually Arminas has said before that you look like a young Scotty Shuffler.
1: What? You yeah. know, the one that I get all the time is that I look like Pat Mayo, which
0: I don't really see either, but yeah, see any of that. I, you could tell I, me you look like, like yourself and I'd be like, I don't know. I don't see it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Nick standing up for me in the chat. That's an That's awful, an awful comparison. comparison.
0: He says, yeah.
1: I think Scheffler and I have some stuff in common though, in terms of like, I think he's kind of an old soul. I think he's big into like, you listen to his interviews and he's like, I really just like hanging out with my wife and, and watching the office and playing some golf.
0: It's like, I relate. Yeah. yeah, That's awesome. That's, that's living right there. Uh, Andy is available on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can find me at Rick run. Good. Big thanks to Prue Mina. She does all that hard work behind the scenes. We'll catch you next time.